teaching. The title is Extravagant Grace. Over the last couple weeks, the focus has been on clearly, my, my, my prayer is that we are clearly showing by the Word of God your true identity and erasing clearly that old identity that you thought was yours, that you've been living, that you've been believing because it's so real with your senses, what's going on in your body or what you're hearing from the doctors or what your family talks about, all that stuff that that just is confusing. This is true identity. We talked about who you are in Christ. When you're a believer, you are in him and he's in you. That alone, if you just meditate on that, that's, that is amazing. We are his sons or his daughters. We have been conferred, that sonship or that daughterhood has been conferred on us. And along with that, his inheritance. Last week, Tom talked about the great exchange. The, the great exchange, and he did such a good job of showing us biblically what happened with the blood covenant and how that blood covenant purchased for us everything that we owed. Jesus purchased it. And the main theme of last week was that we're righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. So it's another piece of our identity. We're righteous. What I'm going to teach on today is that grace, that grace that was poured out through the blood of Christ. We've, we've painted a picture of who you are, and there's a lot more. We're going to continue to talk about it. But there's also, what is our inheritance? What is our inheritance? So we're going to look at what that inheritance is. So extravagant grace. I have to acknowledge somebody before I start this teaching. And the person I'm acknowledging is Teresa White. Teresa White is one of my dear friends and mentors in the Ministry of Healing. She lived here for about a year, and she just fed so much into me. She did a teaching that was entitled Streams of Grace, and it was actually a series of teachings. I don't even have the whole series, but she was just talking to me about this this series that she did and this teaching that she did. So I had her send me like an overview of the teaching, and I used a lot of of the scriptures and a lot of the the pieces that she had shared here. So I want to acknowledge her in that. God's gift of extravagant grace. That word extravagant, this is the word he gave me when I was preparing. Extravagant grace. The word extravagant, if you look it up in a dictionary, means excessive. Exceeding the bounds of reason. Going beyond what is deserved or justifiable. That's God's grace. It's excessive. It exceeds the bounds of reason. You can't reason out this amazing gift that we're going to be talking about tonight. And it goes beyond, way beyond, way beyond what we deserve or is justifiable. So we're going to start with two main scriptures. We're going to start... No, we're not. We're going to start with... Anyway, I'm getting two, two teachings melded together. I'm preparing a lot of teachings. So I'm going to start with this specific scripture about grace. This is Romans 5, verse 17, and this is one that Tom shared last week. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So Tom talked about the first man, the Adam, where the fall of man came and where death reigned. But then he talked about the great exchange and he talked about Jesus. In this scripture it says, much more, because what Jesus did so far exceeded what was lost in the fall. But this scripture says, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So last week we really talked about righteousness. Today we're going to talk about the abundance of grace. And the Bible says that we will reign in life. That word reign means that we will exercise the highest influence 
You see, we've been given influence. We will have control and kingly power and authority in life. That's part of our inheritance is the authority and the power. We're going to talk about that later on. This is part of that abundance of grace that we will reign. We will reign in our life. I don't know about you, but I want to reign in life. That's why I want to share this teaching on what is ours so that we have that in front of us and we have knowledge. When we know the truth, the truth will set us free. If we're ignorant of the truth, we miss out. So the next scripture is 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each one has received a gift, grace is a gift, minister it to one another. As, we sh- as I share, I'm going to be sharing ten gifts of grace, ten of the, the facets of this manifold grace of God. But this scripture says, can, can you go to the next slide, sweetie? Uh, that's the wrong one. Sorry, we're on 1 Peter 4.10, but that's the wrong scripture. We didn't, we didn't check this either. <laughs> we usually do. That's okay. Just listen to me read it. As e- or open your own Bible, better yet. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this gift that we've received, this gift of grace, the scripture says, give it away. The gift that's in me, that's what we do. That's what Ken and I do. We give it away. When you have a gift from God, you share it. When you have a testimony, you share it. And that's literally what you're doing. And as you do, you're being a steward of His grace. I'm going to be sharing ten facets of this grace. You'll see, as I share, that many of those are alive in your life. And you can minister them to others. You can share God's truth with others. But then it uses a term here that I just love. And that's why I wanted to share it. It says, the manifold gift of grace. The manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. So let's talk about the manifold grace of God. And on your handout, there are four blanks. I'm going to talk about the, the, what that manifold grace looks like. Manifold means many-sided. Many-sided or the various aspects of grace. Number one, grace is unearned, undeserved, and unmerited. It is unearned in that we cannot do works that will earn grace. Um, giving to the poor, doing missionary work, going downtown Detroit and praying for people on the streets. It's all really good stuff to do. But it will not earn you grace. It is, the second word is, Undeserved. We don't deserve this amazing grace. Jesus took what we really deserved. He took the punishment that we really deserved. And then he gave us grace. This amazing gift of grace. So it's undeserved. And thirdly, It's unmerited. That means that no matter how good we are, we can't earn grace or merit grace. I remember the day that I was saved. Jenny asked me if I was saved. And one of the things I said was, I think so. I'm a good person. And I thought that my salvation was based upon my merit. And I was a good person in general. You know, I never done any grave, really bad things. I was a good person. But that didn't earn me salvation. Grace cannot be earned by being a good person. Number two, grace is something God did for you independent of you. That means he did it for you without you involved. God's grace made the provision before your salvation before you even needed it. You weren't even born. 
you weren't even conceived. You were probably thought of by God. But he provided your grace before you even needed it. He provided grace independent of you because of his love for you before you were even conceived. Number three, grace is consistent. It's the same for everyone. God doesn't give me grace and not give the worst sinner grace. He has provided grace for everyone. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It is available for all, but this is, this is important. It's available for all. But it is only actual when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Until the day I declared my belief in Jesus and invited him to be my Savior, asked him to be my Savior, I didn't have that grace. The gift is given upon asking. The gift is given upon asking for Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And I lived 43 years thinking that I was good because I went to church, because I was a good person, because I followed the rules. But that, that didn't give me grace. Grace was poured out when I chose to accept the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me the sacrifice that Tom talked about, the covenant, the blood sacrifice that Jesus paid for. And number four, grace includes everything that Jesus purchased for us through his redemptive gift. And here's the list that we're going to be talking about tonight. We are forgiven, made righteous, rescued, delivered and set free, protected, healed, preserved, prospered, made whole, and empowered. And I'm sure there's more, (laughs) but that's what I'm going to share tonight. That is a snapshot of the amazing, manifold grace of God, the extravagant gift of grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So we were saved By God's grace, when we believed, bottom line, and that word saved, so-so, includes this this gift, this amazing gift. So this is what I want you to picture. I don't know what Christmases are like at your house, but for me, the most important thing is to have lots of presents. (laughs) I don't, it's just, I don't know. I remember when I was a little girl, you'd get up and, actually we did Christmas on Christmas Eve, so you I won't go into how that worked, but we had this amazing, I had a big family. So we had presents everywhere. And it was like, it was so exciting. I was so excited. So today we're talking about this amazing, manifold gift of grace. This exceedingly abundant, extraordinary, extravagant gift. And this is what I want you to picture. That that amazing Christmas with all of the gifts, except, here's the difference. Under my tree, because I like quantity of gifts, <laughs> there might be one or two special gifts for each person, but the rest are just little things, just because just it's fun, you know, to give lots of presents. So the rest are just little whatever, you know, dollar store or whatever. But that's not God's gift of grace. In God's gift of grace, there are many facets of the gift, many gifts, and each one Each one is extravagant. Each one is amazing and exceedingly beyond what we what we would expect. Exceedingly, I want to go back to this definition. Exceedingly beyond the bounds of reason. Going beyond what is deserved or what is justifiable. God is so good. God is so good. I want to give you one more snapshot before I go into these ten pieces. And I'm only going to talk a little bit about each one. You know, Kent and I retired uh, two years ago right now. I can't believe it's already been two years. And before we did, 
we, we really looked at the whole retirement package, the pension, the benefits, and everything that was included. We looked at um, what I had um, earned through my uh, years of service. We also looked at what our part would be as far as paying in to get both the pension as well as um, the benefits. So we, we did our research. So we knew what our benefits were. We knew what our wages would be, sort of. <laughs> but they didn't tell us everything when I read all that stuff. And we found out after I retired that it wasn't quite the way I expected. The premiums were a lot higher. The deductible was way higher. There was, I mean, there were all sorts of different things with the benefit package that I wasn't aware of because it wasn't in the print that I read before I retired. Not that I, I mean, God's taking care of us, and that's going to actually be part of my teaching tonight. But it's interesting. When we don't know the whole picture, we, you know, we just don't know what those benefits are or what they're not. The same thing with what I'm talking about tonight with the grace of God. There are, I believe, you're going to see when we start sharing these, I believe you're going to see parts of this exceeding grace of God that you maybe didn't even know were part of the benefit package. And if you don't know it, you're not going to access it. So I'm going to pray right now. Father God, my prayer is that when we go through these, these pieces of your extravagant grace, that we will be, uh, that you'll give us revelation, new revelation, new knowledge of your precious, amazing gift that was poured out, that is part of the covenant of grace that you paid for with your blood. Jesus, we don't want any of it to go in vain. We don't want any of it not to be received by us. So I pray, Father, right now, that not only will we receive it, we will also be good stewards of this grace, and we will minister it to others as well. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. The first part, the first gift. Through God's extravagant grace, you are forever forgiven. Now, we know this. Some of this stuff's going to be real review that you've heard me speak a lot about, and some of it isn't. We are forever forgiven. Amen. Matthew 26. Because we have a ton of scriptures tonight, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read quite a few of them right from my paper, right from the screen. There are others that I will ask you to open your Bible to. So we're going to go back and forth. So Matthew 26 says, And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mm. The covenant, the new covenant that was paid for through the blood of Christ. And the purpose, the purpose says it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. That word forgive is the word remit. And that word remit means eliminated. Sin is eliminated. Sin is removed from you. Now, in the very first scripture that I'm sharing, it's spoken of by Jesus. And this actually is spoken before the sacrifice has been paid, before he shed his blood for us. And this is written in uh, a different tense of the word. It says, it is poured out to forgive the sins. But in the other scriptures throughout the rest of the epistles, it says, past tense. Our sins were forgiven or he forgave. It's past tense. After the gift has been provided. And this is an example. Ephesians 1.7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He's so... What a gift. What an extravagant gift. Think of this gift. He paid for all of our sins to be removed. That's an extravagant gift. But it's even better than that. Because when he removed sin from us, it made the way for sin to be separated from us, once and for all, so that we wouldn't be separated from him. 
So not only were sins forgiven, we were also reconciled. So we can go face to face to God. So he is part of us and we are part of him. We couldn't do that before. We couldn't have that fellowship before because we had sin and God couldn't be with us with sin. But now sin is no more a part of us. It has been separated from us. That is in our spirit. Now we know that we can still miss it. Absolutely. And it can affect our soul or our body. That's another whole teaching. But sin never again will affect our spirit. The next scripture, Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Oh, this is one of my favorites. We're talking today about benefits and our benefit package. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, details a whole list of benefits. And I'm using the Amplified this time, so it's got lots of words. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me. Bless his holy name. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to read the rest of the scripture. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities. That's why I wanted the Amplified. It doesn't just say who forgives your sins. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities. That's good news. That's extravagant grace. We are reconciled to God. Under the new covenant of grace, Jesus completely conquered sin. He completely conquered the effects of sin. He completely conquered the dominion of sin. It is no longer part of us. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. I received that gift. How about you? Okay. The next part of this gift. Through God's extravagant grace, you are made righteous. I'm just going to touch on this because Tom spent a lot of time, but I want you to have all this on one page so that you can go home and just meditate on the amazing grace of God. Through God's extravagant grace, you are made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That was the great exchange. Jesus carried all of our sin to the cross and died with it. There was a great exchange. He became sin so that we could become righteous. Righteousness is a state of being. It's not a state of doing. It's a state of being. Righteousness is not right doing, but Right standing with God because of our right believing. Our part is just to believe and we become righteous. The next one. Through God's extravagant grace, you are rescued. Like this one. Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. We have literally been taken out of the darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, and we've been put into the kingdom of heaven. When I was, um, before I was saved, I understood about heaven. I understood about hell and heaven, and then after we died, we'd do one or the other. I understood that. But what I didn't understand is that at the moment of salvation, we were rescued. It wasn't you lived a whole life, and then based on your life, God made a decision And you either went to hell or heaven. That's what I used to think. But the truth is, the truth is that when we accept that sacrifice that Jesus paid the price for, at that very moment, in my life it was February 19th, 2002, in the morning, about 7.20, that's when I was rescued. And I was taken out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I made heaven 13 years ago. God says that that's when our eternal life begins. And he said, heaven come to earth, 
pray. Ask God. Deliver us from evil. He said, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We've been transferred. We've been rescued. Now, I do want you to open to the next scripture, which is um, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're talking about being rescued. I have a 100%... Um, uh, uh, positive for people being rescued. Of everybody that I've ever ministered to, that I've ever, um, uh, uh, that has, I'm just going to say it, everybody that has um, been under our ministry, whether they're, they're here or they've passed away, every one of them has been rescued. Every one of them, 100%. Isn't that good news? Yes, yes. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. How many of you were there? Just like Paul, right? We were all in that place of blaspheming, persecuting, insolent, mess. And... The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So here's the grace. The grace of the Lord took this man, Paul, and me, and you. And then this is the next verse. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Rescued. Saved from sin, receiving eternal life. Rescued. And Paul said, when they see me, who is the worst of sinners, they'll know and they'll believe that it can be for them too. Remember the scripture in Peter that said, be a minister of that grace. That's what Paul was saying. They'll they'll see me, and they'll want what I have. The same thing with you. The same thing with so many of us. People see the life in us, the joy in us, and they want what we have. Psalm 103. Go back to the the benefit list. Psalm 103. This is verse 4 in that same series of benefits. And it says, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption. That's rescuing. Who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness, tender mercy. We are rescued from the pit and corruption. That, okay, we're talking about extraordinary grace. Do you think rescued from hell and given heaven, do you think that's extraordinary? Do you think that's extravagant? Exceeding? Yes. Yes. And that would probably be the one that we say is the biggest one. Right? There's, there's more. Okay. Through God's extravagant grace, you are delivered and set free. Amen. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life has freed me. We're talking about being delivered from a place of bondage. In this scripture, it talks about the law and it talks about grace. The law of the spirit of sin and death, the law of sin and death, and the law of life, which is grace. Delivered from the law and freed and given grace. But then the next scripture is from Galatians 5, verse 1. And this is what it says. So Christ has truly set us free. Is that what it says up there, Kent? Okay, good. Because I changed the order and I wasn't sure which one you got. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Hmm, that's an interesting one. God has made us free. And then he gives us a warning because the church of Galatia 
went back to the law, and they were again under bondage. He says, don't put yourself back under bondage. I've given you freedom, so be free. We have a choice. We have a choice. We can accept and receive the gift of grace, or we can say, oh, that's too good to be true. You know, I need to... I need to, uh, you know, just be in this position of unworthiness and, and um, destitution and, and just, you know, a, a sinner, you know, I'm just, that's who I am. We could say that. That's a lie. That's a wrong identity. That's a deception of the enemy. Or we can say, oh, no, I've been made free. I'm going to live in freedom. That's my identity. The next scripture is, again, about freedom. This is, I want you to turn to this one. This is John chapter 8. John 8. Oh, Father God, your word is truth. Your word today, God, may it truly show us the immense gift, the extravagant gift of your grace in each of these areas. Your word, not my words, but your word. John 8, starting with verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now before I go on, I just want to stop here for a sec. So Jesus said, Okay, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to those who had believed. We're all believers, right? So he's talking to us. He said, if you abide in my word, that word abide means to live, to dwell permanently. If you dwell permanently in my word, if you hold fast to my teachings, then you truly are my disciples. A disciple is someone who is learning And then teaching others, who is taking it in, feeding on his word. And then it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now that scripture, I believe, has been misquoted too much. And it's been misquoted to say, the truth will set you free. But that's not the whole scripture. It says, you will know the truth. If you don't know the truth, it's not going to do anything for you. If you don't abide in the word, you're not going to know the truth. That's why this, this environment that you're coming to is so powerful. Because we're sharing truth about healing. We're sharing it right from the Word of God. And when you come to know it, when it becomes firmly established in you, it will set you free. Amen. We're talking about being delivered and being set free. Amen. And then the last verse of this scripture, this set of scriptures, is verse 36. And it says, So if the Son liberates you, makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. Yes! Yes! You are really and unquestionably free. That's good news. That is extravagant. That is extravagant. The last verse that I want to share in this section is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, and freedom. This is where I want to go with this. There is a piece of grace called deliverance and freedom. And it's ours. But if we don't know it's ours, we're not going to benefit from it. This is one of those that many of us stay bound and don't realize that this is part of the gift of God, part of the gift of grace. So if you are in bondage, you probably know it. You might be in bondage to something, maybe an addiction of some sort, maybe food. You may be in bondage to uh, uh, um, money or things. You may be in bondage to the spirit of lust the spirit of rage. God says we have been delivered. If we are in Christ Jesus, we are free indeed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, and it's in me if I'm saved, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage. This is part of the grace of God. 
And if you're living in bondage, God is telling you right now, you have been given grace. You've been emancipated from bondage. But if you don't know it, you won't know to receive it. Just like so many people don't know that it's God's will to heal, so they don't even expect God to heal them. So part of that extravagant gift of grace is to be delivered, to be set free. The next one I want to share is protection. Through God's extravagant grace, you are protected. I'm going to share a couple scriptures. The first one is Exodus chapter 12. This is the the account where the Israelites are in bondage and uh, Moses is seeking to have the, the slaves being set free, the Israelites who are slaves, to be set free. And um, there's ten plagues. And the last one, God is going to send the destroyer to kill the firstborn of every male. But with with the Israelites, he said, if you take the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and paint it on your doorposts, then that destroyer will pass over your house And there won't be any destruction. So let me read it. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel, and this is what he said to them. Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. This is a type and shadow of Jesus. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And that's exactly what happened. When they followed God's directions, they were protected. In Revelations 12, verse 10 and 11. Then I heard a strong, loud voice in heaven saying, Now it has come, the salvation and the power and the kingdom, the dominion, the reign of our God, and the power, the sovereignty, the authority of his Christ, the Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren, that's the enemy, that's Satan, He who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night has been cast out. The accuser of the brethren, the enemy, has been cast out. And they have overcome, conquered him by the means of the blood of the Lamb and the utterance of their testimony. For they did not love and cling to life even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap till they had to die for their witnessing. So this is talking about overcoming the enemy. It says they overcame him. Him is referring to the accuser of the brethren or the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Now the blood of the lamb has been shed. In the first account that I gave, it was a type and shadow of Jesus. The blood of the lamb had not yet been shed in the Exodus account. But when Jesus lived and then Jesus died, The blood of the Lamb was shed. And when we know that benefit and apply the blood, then the destroyer has to pass over us. Is that a good gift? Amen. 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 I'm going to share one more scripture, and then we're going to share a couple testimonies. So, Patty, we're just about ready for your testimony. This scripture is John chapter 17, verse 15. And this is a prayer that Jesus prayed at the Last Supper. Supper was over. He had already washed the apostles' feet. He had already um, uh, shared the Lord's Supper in uh, uh, showing them that this is what you'll do in remembrance of me. They didn't even know yet what was to come. And then he prayed this prayer right before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. The whole chapter is a prayer. It's beautiful. But this is part of his prayer. Jesus prayed this for us. 
I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed to Father God for us. And he does this. He protects us. I'm going to have Patty come up now and share a testimony that I remembered as I was preparing this. It's an amazing testimony of protection. This happened about a year ago. Okay, where is it? Is it back there? Um, Lisa, will you grab the mic from back where Kent is and bring it up? And Patty, I am going to stand right here because I've been given clear directions that because of the video, it will only pick up my mic. It won't pick up that mic. So I'm going to stand close to you so that it will pick up. So wait till you get this one. Make sure it's on. This is an awesome testimony about God's protection. Okay, so um, hello, testing. Can you hear me? Is it on? Hello, hello. Just don't move, he says. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? (laughs) Try again. Hello, hello. There, I think it's good now. Go ahead. Okay, so this is um, last year. Um, This was the storm of August 11th. Um, that many people remember. Um, Before Mm -hmm. I left for home from work on this day, my husband called to tell me to be careful because it had been raining so hard. I thought for a moment how strange it was um, because I had driven in the rain a thousand times my whole life. But little did I know that this night was going to be the worst storm of flooding and raining that I had ever seen in my whole life. First, I want to say that each morning before I go into my day, I have different prayers that I pray and the first one is always Psalm 991. Mm-hmm. I live in the shelter of the Most High. I find rest in your shadow. This I declare about you. You alone are my refuge, my place mm-hmm. of safety. You are my God, and I trust you. For you yes. will rescue me Amen. from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. You cover me with your feathers. You will shelter me with your wings. Your faithful promises are my armor and protection. The other prayer is Jehovah Nisi. You are my victory, my banner, and my standard. Your banner over me is love. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you lift up a standard against him. Hallowed be thy name. It was basically, um, I was basically okay until I was about two miles away from my home that things started to get very bad. I started to see police cars that were blocking off main roads due to so much flooding. So now is when the things got really scary. I had to start taking different roads, and it was as if the Holy Spirit had taken over as my personal GPS, which, by the way, I do not own one. I had driven this route for over 20 years, and I had never taken this way home before. I was going straight, then all of a sudden I saw cars being flooded in the middle of side streets, so I would turn again and turn again. I would go right, then I'd go left, and it was, I was driving, and as I was driving, the fear tried to come over me like a waterfall. I kept screaming, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but God gave me a spirit of power of love and a sound mind. God is with me. God is in me. God is for me. God loves me. So who can be against me? God is with me, and he will never leave me. Now, I was only three blocks from my home, and I saw cars completely flooded, where people were crawling out of the windows to try to get to safety. And when I, and then I could see their cars floating down the street like rafts. Then all of a sudden, I felt in my heart the Holy Spirit said, pull up into this driveway and stay. So I sat in my car with it running, and I began to text and call people for prayers of protection. Mm-hmm. The fear was coming at me from all directions. I called my home and asked my husband to check our basement to see if it had begun to leak or flood, but to my surprise, nothing. It was dry. I told my husband that I would not be home this night, that this lovely woman who took me in um, would let me spend the night. And all of the city of Warren was underwater, but not my house or me or my car. The woman who lived in the house that I was parked in her driveway, um, she kept coming out into my car and asked me to come in, and I kept saying, no, I'll wait till it stops raining. Finally, after an hour, um, the third time she came out, I finally said, okay, 
I have to go to the bathroom. So, okay. <laughs> so when I walked into her house, I immediately saw a cross on her wall. I knew she was a believer. So we began to talk about what was happening, and I began to share my faith of God with her. Mm-hmm. She began saying that she was afraid that her basement was going to flood and that her pet rabbit was down there. So I began to rebuke the rain and the water from coming into her home and prayed God's favor and hedge protection around her home. I kept praising God for bringing me into her driveway and home. As we stood on her front porch, I looked and every driveway was underwater, but not hers. It was a miracle. I kept thanking her for rescuing me and taking me in. And she would thank me. Because of our prayers, she had a feeling of peace that she could not explain. It was God. We kept checking her basement, and it was completely dry. I kept calling my house, and it was completely dry. Glory to God, from the north to the south to the east and to the west, every house was severely flooded, basements ruined, houses ruined, but not ours. We were fine. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to all men, on whom his favor rests. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Amen. Leave it on for just a sec. Okay, okay. Leave it on for just a sec. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I remember when Patty first told me this, this testimony. And the, the, the key is, of course, her faith. But her faith stood in with both homes. Both homes were protected. And Patty said, literally, their, their basements were the only ones not flooded. Their driveways were the only ones not underwater. That woman who she stayed with and her own home and all the rest were flooded. She was protected. And I forgot to tell you that uh, she was on the computer doing her stuff, checking the weather and stuff. And um, I just started praying in the spirit for, for like a half hour, hour. And I'm not sure she knew what I was doing. Um, but, of course, I didn't care. And um, it was just, it was all good. <laughs> And Amen. by the way, I, she had like five dogs, and I slept on the couch, and all the dogs were all freaking earlier, and I had all these dogs sleeping on me. And, and they were all in peace. They were fine. There was peace. Were fine. Amen. Thank you for sharing, Patty. Thank you. That's an amazing testimony of protection. Amazing testimony of protection. That is part of the extravagant gift of grace. I'm going to share one more real short testimony, and then I'm going to go on. And this is um, a testimony that happened... Several years ago, I was getting ready to go to work in the morning, and I went out to the garage, and I went to start my car, and it wouldn't start. And I had never, ever had an issue with starting my car. It didn't sound like a dead battery. I know what that sounds like. I didn't know what it was. So I went and got Kent. He came out, lifted the hood, didn't really do anything. He went got, got back in the car, and it started. So I went to work. It probably took at least five minutes for me to do that, to you know, get Ken out and check it and everything, and then it started. And I drove to work. I always take 24 mile across, and when I got to um, Van Dyke and, um, and 24, the road was closed. And there was a very, very serious accident where they closed the road. And I don't know what the degree of the accident was, but I totally believe that God protected me. My car never did that again, never did it before, never did it after. I totally believe it was the protection of God, the manifold grace of God. Okay, the next one. This one we all know and hold this dear in our heart, and that is that through God's extravagant grace, you are healed. You are healed. We're going to go back to Psalm 103, the benefit package, verses 2 and 3. Bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases. Isn't that good? It doesn't say the bad ones. It doesn't say when you pray. It doesn't say if you're good enough. It says who heals each one of all your diseases. And then First Peter 2.24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now we know there are so many scriptures about healing, so many accounts of Jesus' healing, but I wanted to just give you a couple. 
I wanted manna for each one of these precious facets of the gift of grace for you to have and to meditate on. But what I was really interested in when I looked at these two scriptures, and I, this is just God incidents, I didn't plan this, but both of these scriptures in one verse talk about forgiveness of sins in the very same verse as healing. They are both part of the manifold grace of God. Forgiveness and healing. 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 It's an extravagant gift. It's an extravagant gift that is ours, that is our birthright as sons and daughters of God. The next one, through God's extravagant gift, you are preserved. Okay, this goes a step beyond healing. This refers to divine health. You are preserved. You have the gift, the extravagant gift of divine health. Now, this may be one of those benefits that you're not aware of. This is what Jesus paid the price for. The scripture reference I'd like to use, one of them, is 1 Thessalonians 1.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word sanctify means to set apart for a special purpose. It's another word for consecration. It says, may God himself sanctify you. May God himself. We don't have to do it. May God himself sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. And may you be preserved blameless. Now, I want to talk about those words, preserved blameless. First, I'm gonna, I looked up the word preserved in the dictionary. And this is what it means. To keep safe from injury. To keep safe from harm or destruction. To keep alive, intact, free from decay. (laughs) When you preserve, you know, preserves like jelly or whatever. Free from decay, free from going bad or spoiling. That's me. I'm free from decay. I'm free from, you know, spoiling with old age or whatever. (laughs) I am walking in divine health. Amen. And then I looked up in the, in, the, in the concordance, in the Bible concordance, which clearly defines the Greek words. Preserved blameless means carefully attended and taken care of. God says you'll be preserved blameless in your body, soul, and your spirit. You'll be carefully attended and taken care of. I've used the analogy before of our heart being like a garden. But this refers to spirit, soul, and body. So in every area, we're like a garden, and God is our gardener. And he takes great pride in taking care of his garden. He tends to us with everything we need, just like a gardener, a master gardener, provides the right amount of water, the right amount of food or fertilizer, the right soil, the right conditions, so that the plants flourish. That is part of the manifold grace of God. To be preserved blameless. To be carefully tended and taken care of. I'm going to share a story now about John G. Lake. This is a guy who's long past. But he was a missionary in South Africa from 1908 to 1913. He was a mighty man of God. And during that time, there was a really bad bubonic plague that broke out. So he was there taking care of the sick and burying a lot of dead. The doctors that were there asked Lake how he protected himself from the plague. And this is what he said. I believe the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. As long as I walk in the light of that law of the spirit of life, no germ will attach itself to me. And then the doctors were unconvinced. So he asked them to do an experiment on him, a microscopic experiment. So this is what they did. They took the bubonic plague, the the cells or whatever, um, from the people that were very, very sick, and they put them under a microscope. And they lived under the microscope. They could see the living plague, the germs, 
the bacteria, whatever it was, infection. They could see it. And then they would take that same diseased uh, uh, specimen and put it on his hand and then put his hand under the microscope. And the cells would die in front of their eyes. That's ours. That's ours. That's ours. How many of you have been in the midst of a uh, like an outbreak of the flu or really bad colds or whatever, and it doesn't touch you? Amen. Just like John G. Lake, we are protected. We are preserved blameless. Psalm 103, verse 5 is one of my favorite verses. We're back to the list of benefits. This is the fifth verse. Who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good, so that your youth renewed is like the eagles, strong, overcoming, and soaring. Yay. Your youth is renewed at your personal age with all of your needs. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, many of you have probably heard the, the, the account or the story of eagles and how their youth is renewed. There is a lot of stuff on the Internet. But basically what I understand is that when eagles become older, they, they, um, they, they go to a place, a private, safe place, and they pluck out their old feathers and they literally um, peck their own beak in their claws so that they're all worn down, and then they grow all new. They grow all new so that they're once again strong and, and, and renewed. God uses this as an analogy for us. He says that He renews our youth at our own personal age and with the needs that we have. So that we, like the eagle, will be strong, overcoming, and soaring. This is one of the scriptures that I claim every day. (laughs) Every day. My youth is renewed. And then I specifically talk to my body in any area where it doesn't feel renewed. And I say, oh no, joints, you are renewed. I have mobility. I have ease of of everything, you know, that, that the world says happens, you know. And I get... I don't like it when people talk about, well, you know, that happens when you get older. Oh, not in my body. It's not going to happen. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to share a story. Guys, you may not be uh, appreciate this one, but I'm going to share it anyway because ladies, you'll love it. And that has to do with this thing that the world calls menopause. Pastor Sarah told us years ago what she did when she was getting to that age where your body goes through those, those changes that the world says happens. And she told me how she spoke over her body. I'm not, that's, that's not what God says. That's not God's best. I don't need to have all those symptoms in my body. And so Pastor Sarah said that. I thought, that's a really good thing to start claiming. And this is way before my body started going through any of that stuff. So I started claiming it every day and claiming this scripture specifically. And I said, nope, not receiving any of those symptoms. And it, I'm telling you, my body has gone from one season to what the bo- world calls the, uh, the next season with ease with absolute ease this is god's best for us our youth is renewed like the eagles amen divine health so god gives us divine healing and divine health and the next one is divine life through god's extravagant grace you are prospered divine life john 10:10 10, 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, here's my definition of prosperity, because we've all heard prosperity teachers who we like cringe when we hear because it's all about money. I don't believe that's what prosperity is about. I believe prosperity is about what that scripture says. Abundance of life and having your needs met. Having your needs met supernaturally by a supernatural God who has paid the price for us to have it. Ephesians 2.20, I love this one. Now to him who by, there's a lot of words here, in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, 
Okay, so that basically says his power is at work in us. And because of that, he is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. He always one-ups us. When we go to him and ask for those needs that we have, he gives it to us above what we could ever ask, or in a way so far beyond what we could ever dream up. So much better. Philippians 4.19, And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it says liberally supply. He's not a God of just enough. <laughs> He's a God of more than enough. And 3 John 1.2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers couple biblical examples. Think about Jesus' first miracle. He turned water into wine. Do you think that was a necessity? <laughs> Probably not. And then when he changed the water into wine, it was the best wine. It wasn't the cheap stuff. It wasn't too buck chuck. <laughs> it was the good stuff. Another miracle, the fishes and the loaves, when he multiplied the fishes and the loaves. There was an abundance left over. He didn't make just enough for everybody just to have enough so that they weren't really, really hungry. He filled them up to the brim, and there were baskets of leftovers. And then in my own example, again, going back to the whole retirement thing, when we made the decision to retire, we knew that our income was going to be greatly reduced. And we said, God, that's who you are. You're the God who liberally supplies. You're the God of more than enough. And we did what we could do in the natural to be prepared. We, we, we used natural wisdom. But we also have completely trusted God. And he has, oh my gosh, he has provided so much in such an amazing way. I'm going to tell you one piece. I'm not going to give specifics, but I will tell you. You guys know all the ministry trips we go on and where we teach all over the place? Every dollar has been covered supernaturally. Every dollar, plane flights, car rentals, hotels, food, everything has been covered on every one of those ministry trips. That's God. That's the God who supplies. We just trust him. The next one, through God's extravagant grace, you are made whole. You are made whole. This goes beyond healing. God takes something broken and makes it whole. I'm going to give a couple biblical examples. The first one is Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. She was made whole. Everything, everything about her was made whole. So the, the bleeding stopped, but the cause of the bleeding was made whole. The, the issue that she had, she, it said earlier in this account that she had spent everything that she had to, to, to go to doctors and try to get it fixed, but she was no better but grew worse. So that problem, I believe, was taken care of. She had the whole issue of being excluded and all of the soul wounds that went with that. Calling herself unclean and having other people call her unclean for 12 years. I believe that all of those wounds, the, the soul wounds, the physical wounds, were all healed and made whole. The broken was made whole. And the second example is Luke 17, verses 12 through 19. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now that word cleansed isn't sozo. It, it has to do with being healed, but it isn't sozo, that completeness, that manifold grace. 
And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. That word healed isn't so, though, either. He was healed. He was cleansed. This man, this leper, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answering said, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. That word is so-so. That man was made whole. The others were healed and cleansed. This man was made whole. Now, in the disease of leprosy, it, it attacked parts of their bodies, and they lost appendages, ears, noses, fingers, toes. I, I, and this is just Cindy's opinion. We'll have to ask God when we get to heaven. But I believe that those other ten were healed and the disease was stopped. But this guy was made whole. I believe he grew back his fingers and his nose and ears or whatever he needed to be whole again, as well as the soul issue of being separated from family and being excluded for the years that he had had the disease. God makes us whole. Our life, my life, has been made whole in every area. And I see it in your lives too. The, the, the emptiness, that place that you were trying to fill up with other stuff, is full now. You're complete. Yeah. The areas of your life in relationships, in my case with my husband, our marriage has gotten so much richer since we've known Jesus as our Savior. Our physical bodies stronger, healthy, whole, divinely healthy. We're able to retire and live our dream, God's dream with us. Our life has been made whole, and that's God's extravagant gift of grace. And the final one I want to share. Through God's extravagant grace, you are empowered. We are empowered by grace. Ephesians 3, 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. And Acts 4:33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Power and great grace. The great grace, I believe, empowered them to go out and witness, empowered them to go out and lay hands on the sick and heal them. And then this final verse, Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the question is, how are all things possible? They're possible through the extravagant grace of God. Grace is that power that God gives us to do, to do the things He wants done that we can't do on our own or under our own power. Grace enables us to carry out those things that we couldn't normally do on our own. 